Time uh, for the Global Threat uh, Report, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, sponsored by Global Threat Solutions, 100% military veteran-owned security investigations firm. Global headquarters right here on Long Island in Suffolk County. Also offices in New York, Miami, L.A., overseas Frankfurt, and Mumbai. Of course, uh, the Global Threat Solutions CEO. Ken Bombay, over 20 years of law enforcement intelligence experience serving as a military intelligence officer in the Middle East. Company does so much, offers so, so many services, employee background checks, surveillance, criminal cases, divorce, child custody cases, uh, civil cases, business intelligence, you name it. You go to the website, check it out. GlobalThreatSolutions.com for peace of mind in uncertain times. Check out that website. GlobalThreatSolutions.com. You make a phone call as well. Uh, 646-946-6649. The aforementioned Captain Ken Bombay. Sir, how are you? Morning, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Great having you. We got so much on the plate today, Cap. I want to start uh, in Ukraine uh, because we are uh, getting a lot of tanks over there. And I am. These aren't your normal type of tanks, correct? Yeah, no, these are definitely be an upgrade for the Ukrainian military. They're going to be getting uh, German tanks. They're going to be getting uh, British tanks and U.S. tanks. It definitely steps up their capabilities and gives them a combined arms capability that they simply don't have right now. Yeah, uh, these are called, folks, the M1 Abrams heading over to Ukraine. Uh, to help uh, Ukraine in its fight uh, with Russia. And uh, the decision appears to open the way now for uh, Captain, some of these European nations to contribute some of their own uh, heavy artil- artillery to the fight. Uh, certainly we have seen uh, some escalations here uh, that are bringing the U.S. and Europe a little closer to outright conflict. Uh, this according to the U.S., excuse me, the uh, New York Times. But this tank, which is armed with cannons and machine guns, uh, said to be one of the most uh, powerful ground weapons in the U.S. arsenal. So uh, there you go. Now, this is on the heels of the latest cap. Uh, There was an air raid alert in place across Ukraine. Russia firing more than 30 missiles uh, into that region, the Ukrainian Air Force, the Ukrainian Air Force, and of course, this comes as you know all these tanks are being sent over there. So uh, obviously, there's some provocation going on based on this decision. Uh, but uh, all in all, uh, that is uh, the latest as Russia right now is fighting back, fighting back, uh, and Putin, you know, no let up inside it seems here. Yeah. So what we're looking at is the U.S. sending M1 tank, which is our main battle tank, to Ukraine. Uh, The Germans will send the Leopard 2 tank, which is their main battle tank. And then the uh, British will be sending their Challenger 2 tank. And these are, like I said, um, significant upgrades to the Ukrainian military. Right now they're using T-72s, which is Soviet-era tanks. And why is this important? Well, there's a few things. One of them is, again, it gives them a combined, finally, they have a combined arms capability. And what that means is, you know, militaries are designed to fight with many different uh, uh, arms broken down. So they have artillery, they could have air defense, they could have aviation, they could have infantry, and they could have armor. 
And, and also there's something that, uh, like uh, infantry fighting vehicles, which we're also sending to Ukraine. So now they'll be able to use all these in conjunction to, uh, not just for defensive, these tanks are for offensive operations. And that's critical right now because what they're preparing for, what they're hoping to have these uh, ready for is going to be a spring offensive by Vladimir Putin. They want to have these tanks in place. And that's going to be a challenge, Jay, because uh, the German tanks will get there before the U.S. tanks. And with these tanks are sophisticated. The Ukrainians are not yet trained. So in, let's just take the United States as an example. We have a lengthy procurement process. So they, they say it might take months. And once they get them, we've got to train these Ukrainian soldiers on how to operate these tanks. So it's really kind of a race right now to get these or these tanks in their arsenal, train them, and have them be able to be used effectively. Mm. You know, Cap, this is all well and good, but are we a little bit late on the switch here? Shouldn't, shouldn't have we uh, contributed uh, this type of weaponry way back in time or no? Yeah. I would say that if we were going to make the decision to provide them with this level of armament, it should have been done months ago, not no. now. And, and like we were just saying, by the time I'm not sure they're going to make the spring offensive to have all of these tanks in their arsenal, all of their soldiers trained to use them and be uh, effective against the Russian military. No, no question. Captain Bombay's Global Threat Solutions. The latest, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as far as uh, what's happening uh, in Ukraine, and we are approaching... Uh, very fast, very fast and furious, February 24th, which will mark one year, hard to believe, one year of this invasion. Global Threat Report. Let's move to what's happening in this land here, and that is of uh, California over the last week. Uh, absolutely horrendous. The Ballroom Dance Club uh, with an assailant there uh, killing people. I think it's 11 now, 12 himself. Uh, injuring 10 others. Uh, that happening uh, over there uh, in Monterey. Uh, then you have Half Moon Bay, a little south of San Francisco, with an individual there going into a trucking area, farming area. Uh, there, he is in custody. The first one, self-inflicted gunshot wound, did him in. That assailant. And then you had a third one, not being reported on uh, in a big way as the other two, but certainly in Oakland, a, a gas station shooting in which one dead, seven injured. So California captain has seen its share over the last five days. Yeah. So we have the Monterey Park one that was in Los Angeles that occurred first back-to-back with the Half Moon Bay and then that Oakland shooting, too. This Monterey Park shooting is getting a lot of attention because this is um, what people uh, think of as like a typical mass shooting. But this person had per- some perceived grievances, and he targeted this location. And also the weapon that was used is getting attention, and a lot of that is just coming out right now. So there was a Mac. one of the weapons, he had two, a Mac-10 uh, weapon, that he used, which is sort of a machine pistol style. Yeah. It's, uh, it's considered an assault-style weapon, and that's banned in California if he didn't possess it prior to it being banned. That's still to be determined. 
also they're determining if this weapon was it, it looks as though it's been modified the trigger what they're right. not sure of is was it modified to be fully automatic at this time they're still the atf is going to test that weapon to determine that the point being that might very well be an illegal weapon that he was using to commit that crime he also had a 762 chinese made pistol which was legally possessed the one in half moon bay was also a semi-automatic pistol and that was legally possessed too yeah cap the mass shootings are just off the charts and, and you know what we're 25 26 days in we've got 40 of them already this month this country 70 people plus dead this is from the gun violence archive showing these numbers um that's an awful lot that number is i mean we're just starting the year and we've got 40 mass shootings incredible really is right um any response as far as how we're going to go out about our business with all this stuff or not so First, I'd like to just talk about those numbers because they can be a little deceptive in that most people would consider, in their mind, uh, a layman would say a mass shooting would be sort of like this one in, in Monterey Park, where someone has these grievances, goes to a location, and, and tries to shoot as many people as they can. If the definition being used is a shooting four or more people um, unknown to the shooter, then that that's why you see these numbers skyrocket, and you're like, You'll hear how many mass shootings there are, and you'll say, well, I don't remember seeing that many in the news. And the reason being, a lot of those are urban shootings. There might be gang shootings where they drive by a crowd and shoot four people or more. And that's very common. It's the majority of these. And then there's the very high-profile ones. Often, if they have an assault-style weapon, that gets a lot of attention. And the number of people killed, that that obviously gets a, uh, a lot of attention. So just to clarify that, also... You know, it, it seems, Jay, every single time one of these happens, the first default response is assault weapon ban. It's everything that we hear. But statistically speaking, in 2020, out of all of the uh, homicides by using firearms, only 3% of those were rifles. And when I say rifles, I'm not saying assault rifles, all rifles. That includes hunting rifles and uh, assault rifles would fall within that 3%. So it's a very small percentage of people who are being killed by those type of weapons. But it seems the vast majority of people are being killed by handguns. And it seems anytime one of these incidents happens, um, the first response is to to call for a ban on assault weapons. And the reason I bring that up is that I've always been in, uh, I'm, I support the Second Amendment. I'm in support of, I'm also in support of any common sense legislation to protect people. It's, these mass shootings are, are out of control. But I just don't think it'll be effective like they think it will be. You could ban those assault rifles, but when you have a mass shooting the next day, what are you going to do? You know, and, and not to mention, these are people, Jay, who have committed to killing as many people as they can. They're not concerned about laws. And we have over 400 million guns, more than human beings in this country. If they want to get those weapons to go commit a mass shooting, they're going to get them. So my thing is effectiveness. I just don't think that's going to have the response. It's more of a political uh, issue right now than it is something that could really have an impact. You know, if they were going to kick in doors and, and melt guns, 
then then maybe eventually they'd have an impact on that. But that's not the case. They're going to ban these weapons. The people who are committing these are not concerned about what the firearms laws are. And it, yes, there are some cases here. We, we see these mass shootings where they use weapons that were legally possessed. doesn't mean they won't use weapons that are illegally possessed if they have to. And uh, like I said, the vast majority of mass shootings, uh, according to the statistics, are with, with handguns, not with assault rifles. Also, uh, I, I still say we have incredible, immense problems regarding mental health. And we need to have more emphasis on that in and around our country. Uh, out in California, the second uh, shooting at uh, Half Moon was a disgruntled employee. Uh, the first one might have been an, an individual who had an axe to grind against uh, somebody over there. Uh, the third one I don't know about as far as Oakland is concerned. But we do have a massive problem regarding mental health, which is a contributor to a lot of this stuff that goes on. And we do not have a handle on things. we got to get better at that. And that's one of the things Mer- Eric Adams you know, has been you know, stating his case as far as how our city is handling things. And we're not doing a good job in assisting, I'll tell you that much. All right, let's move to... Go ahead. You want to uh, comment on that? I was just going to. I was just going to say you're right. We've talked about this so many times that mental health is a, a direction they can go in, and also trying to identify these people who who might who are, could be a potential uh, attacker. You know, prior to these shootings, it seems every time we have one of these shootings, there were so many signs after the fact, and and I know that's a big job because there's so many people out there that show these tendencies. But I think that's a direction you could have a lot more effectiveness in in trying to minimize these incidents rather than strictly talking about firearms uh, restrictions. Something where, in mental health in general in this country, um, we, we ha- we're, it's a huge issue. We have to deal with it. We haven't. And they're trying to deal with it in, at the local level. And I think that's a direction we can move in where we could possibly uh, have a big impact rather than, again, just every time it's the, you know, one side says we're banned assault rifles, even if assault rifles aren't used in an attack, and then the other side pushes back um, defending the Second Amendment, and we get nowhere. And that the problem is we just continue to see these mass shootings. No question. Cap, with us with the Global Threat Report. And uh, finally, we'll get into the documents with the time remaining, Cap, uh, with Joe Biden uh, and his uh, missing docs in, what, five or six different locales. Mike Pence, of course, lawyer for him, uh, discovering a uh, missing document or two at his Carmel, Indiana residence. We know about Trump and Mar-a-Lago last August and the raid. Uh, The Biden situation is most concerning to me because of the different locations, the haphazard nature of documents in different locales, whether it be the Penn Biden building in the nation's capital, whether it be Rehoboth Beach, whether it be Wilmington, the residence of the president, vacation home Rehoboth, uh, it's concerning to me. And it's concerning to me because his son, who has been involved with dealings with our adversaries, was at that same residence. So, in essence, it's a problem to me. Now, I am not 
absolving the other two as far as the nature of these documents. Trump bets. But the Biden situation, very concerning to me. Yeah. So what I would tell you is that there's some stark differences here. None of this is good, Jay. And in the very beginning, when you and I were talking about this, I said, I, right when Mar-a-Lago broke, I said, I bet you every former president has some documents at their house. I was pretty confident in that. Um, but what I think there are some stark differences that need to be pointed out. First, I'd say I'm sure Republicans aren't thrilled that, that Pence came forward with this right now, just politically speaking. But with that being said, I don't think there's anyone in the country on either side that think that Mike Pence is, uh, you know, um, this was in any way intentional. Now, on the other side, there's a couple differences I want to point out. First of all, presidents can declassify. Vice presidents can't. So that's one thing. I'm not suggesting that uh, President Trump did declassify or that he did it the proper way. That is, that's not my point. My point is that the vice president can't even if they wanted to. The other thing that is more concerning to me is there's some documents from when President Biden was a senator. That's much different. A president, Jay, you know, if they bring these documents right into the Oval Office for them to review, it's not as um, controlled as a senator has to go to a skiff. I've been in a skiff. I've had a top secret security clearance with PSI, um, uh, SCI clearance. And when you go in there, this is very, uh, it's very rigid. You have to show ID. You have to lock up your phone. You have to go in there. You're not allowed to take anything out. You can't bring um, information notes out with you. This is, I, I don't see from the skiffs that I've been in, Jay, how you would inadvertently by accident bring out top secret documents. I don't see how that happens as a senator. So that's concerning to me, unless it was intentional. And I'm sure that's going to be investigated. I hope that's going to be investigated. Then there's also a lot of talk about Hunter Biden actually coordinating with a Chinese female associate of his to assist with the transport of documents. And before they went to the Biden Center, they, they made a stop at a facility or a site in Chinatown. If that is in any way true, that is a big red flag. And, and I think a big difference we might be looking at here is the is you might actually be looking at with Hunter Biden involved in this a case of actual espionage, not just mishandling documents. That's what I think that that uh, investigators need to be focusing on. If they find on Hunter's laptop because there's some talk about documents that look like they are not in any way Hunter's um, writing, providing information that they could be found in those documents, that's going to be a big problem for the Biden administration. Um, and, and I think these are the things that we're going to see them focus on. But those are some big differences, especially the documents that were found that were from when President Biden was a senator. Big difference between a president and a senator and how they review those documents. And I'm not sure how you would walk out of that facility, but uh, an unknown to you that you had top secret documents with you. I love the analogy that someone put a week and a half ago when Biden first addressed this out in California. He looked like a cornered rat. And that's what he did. That's what he did. Couldn't even look straight in the camera, basically reading uh, from a piece of paper. And uh, listen, uh, this is serious stuff. It really is serious stuff. We'll see how it all uh, turns out. Uh, One last thing quickly. The cartels, the drugs that are coming in, read a report this morning, 1,100-plus individuals 
uh, with records. Uh, and listen, they can't control. The agents cannot control what is happening at this border anymore. We know that. But when 1,100 individuals are filtered into this country with records, criminal records, uh, massive problem. On top of the fentanyl that is already coming in and killing hundreds of people a day around this country. And nothing is being done about it. You know, you have to figure the point right now of military involvement now that the cartels have been infiltrating into this into this country cap it has to be yep. treated almost as if they are terrorists as if the islamic regime again has reared its ugly head i mean that's really all you can think at this point no yeah this is the greatest domestic threat we face now is this border because we have so many threats coming across there in the form of unknown uh uh terrorist threats that are coming across there fentanyl which is killing so many hundreds of people a day in this country um we have these criminal elements and gangs and cartel members coming across into this country in such alarming numbers and the bottom line is there's nothing being done about it uh, President Biden visited the border. It was like a photo op and left, and nothing's changed. I'd have to say that's just, it's politically motivated. He's getting a lot of pressure from people within Congress to, to and his administration to continue the status quo right now. And it's incredibly dangerous. You know, I was on a Canadian TV news show last week or two weeks ago because of, uh, you know, the, the violence in, in the northern state in Mexico because they caught El Chapo's son. These cartels have unprecedented power there. I mean, the military is fighting them. They're shooting at airplanes. Um, these are dangerous organizations with limitless funds, and we're allowing members of these groups to just flow into our country. Um, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture there, and I think that uh, the military is, our military being in that border might be the only answer at this point. We clearly don't have enough border patrol agents, and you know, it's, it's a false argument. I've heard so many times people they oppose the military in the border, saying because of the Posse Comitatus Act, says we're not allowed to use our military against our own people. But we're not. We're, these are foreign invaders. These people are not supposed to be in America. And we should be using our military resources right now, even if we have to deploy temporarily National Guard divisions down there to try and secure this border. This is an emergency. It's a crisis. And there's not even a plan on the horizon as to how to stop this. Yeah. It's, and and that's that's the roughest part of this all. This administration uh, is doing nothing, nothing. And you mentioned president goes down for a cup of coffee, two and a half hours uh, into El Paso. They cleaned up the streets, cleaned everything up for him. You know this uh, with the czar. What a year and a half ago, going uh, for a half an hour to some coffee shop down there. Truly not entering uh, the zone either in Yuma, Arizona, the Rio Grande. Eagle Pass, uh, nothing being done. Uh, nothing being done. And it's a big problem right now. Huge problem. Cartels wiping out a family in California a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and that's why you need a response here. You don't have the confidence, though, that this administration can render such a response that's needed. Cap, well done. Global Threat Solutions dot com for peace of mind 
in uncertain times. Until next time, sir.